Thank you for listening to this episode that is part of the Spark Media Network that can now be heard on the Edify app. Hey, hey, friends. Did you know that there are four different kinds of grace active and working in your life today and every day? And that understanding those types of grace could actually free you from comparison? and could help you not compare yourself to other people or compare yourself to these ideals you have for yourself. Oh, friends, there's so much freedom to be had. I hope you will listen to today's episode and hey, tell a friend about it. Here we go. Welcome to Compare to Who, the podcast to help you make peace with your body so you can savor God's rest and feel his love. If you're tired of fighting body image the world's way, Compare to Who is the show for you. You've likely heard lots of talk about loving your body, but my goal is different. Striving to fall in love with stretch marks and cellulite is a little silly to me. Instead, I want to encourage you and remind you with the truth of scripture that you are seen, you are known, and you are loved no matter what your size or shape. Here the pressure is off. If you're looking for real talk, biblical encouragement, and regular reminders that God loves you and you're not alone, you've come to the right place. I hope you enjoy today's show and hey, tell a friend about it. Hey there, Heather Creekmore here from Compared to Who. I'm so glad you're listening today. We are going to dig right into my book, The Burden of of better once again. If you didn't listen to the first episode in our Burden of Better book club series, you can listen to that. It was the last episode in February. And on this episode, the last episode in March, we're going to dig into part two of my book, which is called The Grace-Filled Life. But before we get there, I had a few questions from the last book club episode that we did, and I wanted to go ahead and answer them. I also wanted to point out something that a reader emailed me, and I thought it was super helpful. It made me stop and pause because she said she had a hard time connecting with the first couple chapters of the book because her problem is not with comparing herself to other people. But her problem is comparing herself with her own ideals. And that's why the book wasn't very compelling to her at first. And so she was really grateful that in the last book club episode, I talked all about ideals and how our ideals become idols and how and how even if we don't think we compare ourselves to other people, we think our ideas about who we should be or who we want to be just came from our head. The truth is we didn't come up with those ideas sitting in a cave in the middle of nowhere. We've been influenced heavily by messages of marketers since we were children, right? Um, or other people we see or other people's lives we witness on television. We think, oh, if I could be like that, if I could look like that, this is what I want. This is how it could be. And, and so these seeds have been planted and that's where our ideals come from. So even though it's not direct comparison, even though it's not what I think about me versus what I think about her, there's still comparison underneath the surface. And so one of the 
the exercises we do in group coaching is we try to identify those influences because once you can see where your ideal came from and who you're actually comparing yourself to, it's really a whole lot easier to figure out and just kind of say, wait a second, I just wanted one aspect of that person's life. But when you figure out the reality of that person's life, maybe you don't want the whole package. So let me flesh that out even a little bit more. So let's say there's a woman in your family with a great body and that seed of, I should have a body like hers when I'm whatever age was planted. Who knows when, but once you see where that idea came from and really examine all of her life, knowing who it is, putting a name on this ideal, you may find that having a great body didn't really make the rest of her life amazing. Maybe you'll see as you put a name on where the ideal came from that this person's actually struggled in relationships. Or maybe because she had to spend so much time focusing on her body, her marriage suffered or her relationship with her kids suffered. So once you know who is really influencing your desires, your ideals, it's easy to see how that ideal only tells one little tiny, tiny part of the story. Or the other illustration I use all the time is look at magazine covers. If you just look at the body in the bikini, it's easy to think, wow, my life would be so awesome if I just look like that. But the headlines around that picture normally tell a fuller story. The headlines say things like how she coped when he cheated, or how she almost ended it all, or her battle with depression. These headlines give us a much fuller picture of the reality that even though she has a culturally beautiful, a culturally perfect body, beauty is lying to us when it tells us if we had what she has, if we looked like her, our lives would be perfect. So the other questions I want to tackle today, the first one is this, did you experience any spiritual pushback when you realized you were entrenched in the sin of envy and jealousy and pride, the sin of comparison? And let me answer that for you. This question was from Pam. Yes, because generally in our culture, no one wants to hear that they're sinning. Like seriously, friend, even in church, we'd much rather hear how we can be better, stronger, faster, more awesome, <laughs> right? Like the reality of the fact that we are doing things that grieve the heart of God um, many of the places we get stuck, our ditches we've fallen into because of our sin, that's not a popular message. That's not Instagram likable material. That's not a great TikTok video, okay? The enemy has such a hold on our hearts. And when we're living in sin, we don't even recognize he gets to keep that hold on us. But once our eyes are open to it and we try to stop, his grip loosens, his influence diminishes, and then we're able to live out our power as people who are filled with God's Holy Spirit. We're able to live out God's purpose for our lives. We're excited about what God has done for us, and we tell other people about him. This is how Satan loses. But isn't it better for him if we all stay stuck trying to get better and be better 
and stay trapped in an imaginary contest with the people around us. And truthfully, we do that instead of loving people around us like scripture commands, right? I mean, let's think about it here. A woman you are competing with is probably not someone you are loving well. But imagine how things change if you can drop the comparison, drop the competition, and truly care about her. I mean, friends, really, can you even imagine Jesus getting caught up in comparison? Okay, so I love watching The Chosen. Do you like to watch The Chosen? I'm a big fan of the series. So even if you haven't watched it yet, here's what I think. I think you need to go start watching it tonight because it's much better than anything on Netflix. And even if you aren't a big fan of this type of story, if you don't like the Christian drama thing, or if you feel a little weird about them dramatizing Jesus and the disciples, like I assure you that watching The Chosen will do more for your spiritual life than anything else you could be watching on TV right now. There's not a lot of good options, okay? But I like the show because it helps me remember that Jesus was a real man when he was on the earth and that his disciples were real people too. They had interpersonal relationship issues. They didn't always agree on everything. They all had quirks, right? Hangups. And we see that in the Bible, but it's really hard to picture. And that's why I love the chosen. But can you even imagine Jesus getting caught up in comparing himself to other people, like comparing himself to his disciples? Like, oh God, I wish you had given me a physical body that's as tall as Andrew's or something like that. It's ridiculous, right? And even when you watch the disciples do it in The Chosen, you can see how ridiculous it is when they compare and compete and how it hurts their purpose. It distracts them from the mission they're supposed to be on together for and with Jesus. So that's a really long-winded way of saying, yes, there is certainly spiritual pushback. As soon as you start healing in the arena of comparison and body image, I promise you that you're going to get more ads on your phone, more spammy text messages, like the, you name it, weight loss, before and after pictures, all those things, they are going to start popping in front of your eyes more frequently than ever before. The enemy does not want his daughters to be free in this arena. But the good news is he doesn't win. But the bad news is you need to be ready for the fight. So that's one thing we do in group coaching. We talk about the fight when the temptation will come and we prepare you for the attack. There may be one spot left for group coaching that starts next week. So if you feel Holy Spirit talking to you saying, hey, you need to get in that group coaching thing, reach out to me and we'll see if we have one spot left and can get you in. It's Heather at Compared to Who.me. So the second question I had, is it normal to feel overwhelmed with the scope of my discontent? And let me kind of say that in a different way. Is it normal to feel like, oh my word, like I just don't even know what to do because I've been discontent in so many areas. Ah, How do I change? Is that normal? And my answer for you, dear reader, is absolutely It's absolutely normal, but here's the good news. It is a sign of maturity, right? We all want to be more mature. And I remember my husband and I, we went through counseling and we had been in it for a couple years and we were getting ready to kind of close up a season of counseling. And we said, hey, like, how do we know when we've arrived? How do we know when we don't need counseling anymore? And here's what this very wise Christian counselor said. He said, maturity is when your own sin bothers you more than the sins of other people. 
I should say that again because someone needs to hear it twice. Maturity is when your own sin bothers you more than the sins of other people. And that was great advice for a marriage, right? But friend, if you are struggling with discontentment and comparison today and you are feeling overwhelmed by just the scope of your sin in this arena, be encouraged because you are maturing. You see, I don't know that we can truly feel the remorse that should come along with repentance until we see the scope of how far astray our hearts have gone. I've read this and heard this many times. Maybe you've heard it too. But when our sin is small, the cross is small. The importance of Jesus's sacrifice isn't really that big in our lives. Candidly, we're not even sure we need it. But when we see our sin as big, the cross becomes even bigger. We recognize that we are desperately lost. We didn't have a chance of saving ourselves. We are desperately in need of Jesus. And that comes from understanding the depth of our depravity and the seriousness of our sin, especially in the arena of discontentment. You know, I think it's easy to think this isn't a big deal. Like what's the big deal with comparison? What's the big deal with kind of wishing I had a better life and a better car and a better job and a better husband and a better body? Like how is that even sin? But when we ask that question, I wonder if what we're saying under the surface is Why did you choose this life for me, God? Now, there's two ways to ask that question, okay? One is sincere lament. That's what we see David do all through the Psalms, where David is crying out to God, saying, this is so hard. Why me? But David trusted in God's sovereignty. And though he didn't like the circumstances he was in, he knew that God was a good father and God had a good plan for David's life, even in the midst of circumstances he didn't enjoy. But there's another way we can do this, which is not as good. (laughs) It's complaining. And this is a really good segue to what we're going to talk about today. And I spell this out in the book, but complaining is when we say, God, you're cheating me. God, it's not fair that you gave her that body and me this body. God, you don't know what you're doing. You chose the wrong path for me. God, you're getting it all wrong. And this kind of complaining, this kind of discontentment is something that God addresses throughout the Bible. And it's not a good thing, my friends. So right after this break, we're going to talk about section two of the burden of better, which is called the grace filled life. And we're going to go into the four different kinds of grace right after this. Hey there. Are we email friends yet? If not, why not? What's the holdup? I want to connect with you. I have a brand new five day body image email challenge. All you have to do is go to compare to who.me and press the red take the challenge button right there on the front page. Sign up and you'll get five days of email encouragement. Really, it's beyond encouragement. I am going to challenge you to think about your body and your body image in a new way. So take the challenge, go to compared to who.me. And hey, after you sign up, hang out at compared to who.me because I have 
500 different blog posts, different articles on all things body image, beauty, aging, mothering, and keeping our kids' body image intact. All the things are there, friends. So go check it out, compared to who.me. You can also find all the old podcast episodes there too. So go to compared to who.me and let's be email friends. I can't wait to connect with you. Okay, section two, four kinds of grace. There's saving grace, sanctifying grace, growing grace and sustaining grace. Now, if you're like me, you sang Amazing Grace in church. Maybe you only thought that grace was about Jesus dying on the cross to save you from hell. But as I explained through this section of the book, a truer and deeper understanding of grace, oh, it goes so much further in terms of speaking to our day-to-day issues and our problem with comparison than we could ever imagine. So here's the deal. If we truly understood that God's saving grace was more than just saving us from hell after this life, I think we'd all live differently. You see, the truth is God's saving grace tells us that nothing, absolutely nothing, can separate us from his love. We are unconditionally loved and accepted after we receive Jesus as our Savior, after we've repented of our sins, said, I'm sorry, I've been trying to live my life my way on my own terms, and we turn to Jesus, then scripture tells us there is nothing we can do that will separate us from him. Now, friends, the reality is there is no one on this earth who could possibly love us this way. We'd like to think that our spouses could or that our parents could. But truth is, as humans, we are just, it's difficult for us to love without any conditions. Maybe some people can do it, but most of us struggle. But here we have this crazy, completely reliable, constant source of love and acceptance in Jesus Christ This should mean that we never have to be afraid of what other people think. Truly, friend, if we lived in our identities as women who are unconditionally loved and accepted by God, why would we ever stress or really even care about what other people think of us? So one of the analogies I like to use, and I use it in the book, if you were related to the president... Okay, and that's always a tricky example because of how messy the American political climate is. But picture a land of old, or maybe you live in England or someplace with a king. England has a queen. (laughs) But, But maybe you live someplace where it's more of a monarchy, right? But if you were related to the person in charge of your whole nation, and you lived in the palace or the White House with them, if you had access to the throne at any time all the time, wouldn't you kind of derive some confidence from that? Like, wouldn't you walk through your land kind of feeling like you were special? And I don't mean that in a prideful way, but I mean, you would really feel internally as if you had access to the throne and you were secure, right? Well, friends, we have access to the almighty God. And that's the kind of confidence we can get because we are unconditionally accepted, unconditionally loved. We are adopted sons and daughters of the king of the universe, the creator of the universe. Friends, this should fill us with excitement and confidence. And I say 
a ton more about how saving grace can speak to our body image issues, to our confidence issues in the book. So I hope you'll snag the book and at least read the chapter on saving grace because I think it will really encourage you. The second kind of grace I talk about is sanctifying grace. Now, this is the grace that God has given us to become more like Jesus and less like ourselves every day. God is gracious to sanctify us. Now, sometimes sanctification feels painful because like the reader question I just answered, we see the depth of our sin. And once we've seen it, we know we have to work on being different. We have to change. And no one likes change. It's uncomfortable. But it's a grace that God doesn't leave us stuck in our sin issues. He unconditionally accepts and loves us. But then he graciously holds our hands as we walk out of issues like body image issues or comparison issues. He shows us the idols we've been serving. But as Romans says, it's his kindness that leads us to repentance. He doesn't beat us over the head or shame us for our sin. He covers our guilt and our shame. And he says, okay, now walk in a new way. The third kind of grace I talk about is growing grace. This is the grace you have received when you realize that you were made on purpose and for a purpose. This is the grace where you get to figure out how and why you were made and see the beauty in God's design for you and for your life. Honestly, one thing I see a lot is that women who are stuck in body image issues have no idea what their spiritual gifts are. They don't know what they're good at or what they have to offer the world beyond being pretty or having a body they think other people will appreciate or admire. For me personally, I knew some of the ways I was gifted. I was using these gifts at work, but I was so caught up in fixing my body in my free time that I didn't have the extra capacity to use my gifts for God's kingdom too. Once I started to do that, that's when it became much easier to take my eyes off my thighs and to really believe and feel like I was made for more than weight loss. And that's another thing I do in my group coaching is we talk about this and we try to help you answer those questions so you can figure out what you're made for. I talk a lot more about both the sanctifying grace and the growing grace in the book. So I think there's a lot more there, but, but these are good summaries of these two sections. And I, I'd love to hear your questions on them. The final kind of grace I talk about is sustaining grace. And this is the very real and present grace God gives us when our world is falling apart. When you lose someone close to you and you still, you know, maybe you've experienced it, you know, in a very real way, maybe more than you've ever felt or known before, that God is right there with you. Did you know that's a kind of grace? Can you even imagine how hard life would be without God's sustaining grace? So this part isn't in the book, and it may be a weird example for some of you, but I'm thinking many of you are going to be able to relate to it. Okay, so here we go. Are you ready for this? Do you know the reason why you feel a kind of buzz when you go on a diet or a weight loss plan and really start to restrict calories? Now, I always thought it was because maybe I had been eating too much, too many calories, too many unhealthy things. And then as soon as I flipped the switch and started eating fewer calories and healthier things, I was buzzing because I felt better. 
But the truth is, if you're eating 1500 calories or less a day, that's probably not enough for your body unless you're like under the age of five or completely bedfast. Although my nutritionist dietitian friends say that even a bedfast 90 year old that barely weighs 90 pounds should be eating more than 1500 calories a day. So back to the crash diet scenario, though. Let's say you do the Octavia, you got your 1,200 calories a day, and you start to feel really, really good at first. Do you know why that is? (laughs) Let me tell you why that is. It's because of God's sustaining grace. It's not a buzz at all. It's because God created your body to hide the pain of starvation from you. Isn't that crazy? But God actually designed our bodies in such a way that when we go from a regular amount of calories to an amount that feels like starvation to our bodies, certain hormones are released to mask you from feeling the impact of that. Because to truly feel starvation is an absolutely horrible thing. And so God created this protective mechanism in your body so you wouldn't feel the early impact of starvation when you start to deprive your body of calories. Now, it doesn't stay that way. Eventually, your body decides to take action so you won't starve, whether that's storing extra calories or any calories you consume or putting other hormones into hyperdrive to try to protect you. But when one of my dietitian friends explained to me that this is why you feel buzzed when you start a diet, I was in shock. But it also took me right back to the truth of God's sustaining grace. God created our bodies to protect us. God created our bodies to be able to survive, right? They're wired for survival. They're not wired to be the size that we want them to be because we've decided, right? And that's a whole other episode I'm going to do soon. But the fact that it's God's sustaining grace that we feel a buzz when we start to deprive calories. I don't know, friends. I don't know about you. But that just really struck me. So there you have it. There's four different kinds of grace operating in our lives today, every day, really every minute. And the reason why I spell them out in the book is because I believe once we become more aware of all of these little graces that we have been given we become less likely to compare ourselves to others. We become less likely to question the ways God is working and moving in our lives. We become more able to trust him. And our hearts, they fill with gratitude for what he has done for us, both the big things and the small things. And that's what we talk about in the next section of the book, gratitude. And that's what we'll discuss at the end of April in our third book club meeting. Until then, what questions do you have? What can I help clarify about these concepts for you? What do you think? What blew your mind today? What had you never really thought of before? Did you know there were so many different types of grace operating in your life every day? Well, you can email me all your questions and thoughts, heather at comparedtowho.me, or you can leave me a voicemail by going to the Compared to Who podcast page, comparedtowho.me slash podcast. Scroll to the very bottom the very, very, very bottom, and click the leave a voicemail message. I would love to hear from you. Well, that's all for today's episode. I hope you'll snag your copy of The Burden of Better so you can read and really get a deeper understanding of some of the concepts that we've talked about today. It's available wherever you get Christian books. Amazon, Walmart.com had a good price the other day. Um, Barnes & Noble, wherever you get your Christian books. ChristianBooks.com, I love that store. Um, So snag a copy today and you can read along with us. 
Yes. And then send me your questions. If you get to the third part before the end of April, send me your questions. I would love to answer your questions about the next section or this section in that last book club meeting. Well, that's all for today's episode. I hope something today has helped you stop comparing and start living. Bye-bye. Oh, hey there. Before you go, if something from today's show blessed you, may I ask a huge favor? Leave a review on your favorite platform. Seeing your five-star reviews is a huge encouragement to me. Not sure how to do it? You can go to comparetowho.me slash podcast, scroll to the bottom, and you'll find all the information. And while you're at comparetowho.me, check out some of the more than 500 articles on there about body image, comparison, all the things you're thinking about. Plus, you can find out more about my books, or you can grab a time for a free 10-minute call to see if coaching is right for you. I'm so honored to be a part of your journey out of body image and comparison frustration, and I can't wait to hear how God is working to set you free.
Oh, hey there. Before you go, if something from today's show blessed you, may I ask a huge favor? Leave a review on your favorite platform. Seeing your five-star reviews is a huge encouragement to me. Not sure how to do it? You can go to comparetowho.me slash podcast, scroll to the bottom, and you'll find all the information. And while you're at comparetowho.me, check out some of the more than 500 articles on there about body image, comparison, all the things you're thinking about. Plus, you can find out more about my books, or you can grab a time for a free 10-minute call to see if coaching is right for you. I'm so honored to be a part of your journey out of body image and comparison frustration, and I can't wait to hear how God is working to set you free. Hey, friend, would you check out the date on that episode you just listened to? Yeah, it's been a minute. Listening to old podcasts is almost like reading my diary from several years ago. In some cases, it's even a little embarrassing. So instead of listening straight through season by season, can I encourage you to skip ahead? I release brand new episodes every Tuesday and Friday. And if you're not sure where to start, you can go to improvebodyimage.com, find the Start Here button, and I've got several episodes listed and categorized so you can find the topics that are of most interest to you. Your time is valuable, so skip straight to the good stuff. I'm glad you're here. Thanks for letting me be a part of your body image and food freedom journey. In a recent survey, parents reported that 52% of homeschooled children need learning accommodations. These parents need practical advice, encouragement, and hope to fuel their homeschooling efforts. The Empowering Homeschool Conversations podcast is where parents gain wisdom on how to teach unique learners successfully at home, like Laura, who recently told us, I needed this episode. I don't need a fancy curriculum or need to be a special ed teacher to teach my son. You have given me hope. To listen now, go to Life Audio or search Empowering Homeschool Conversations on your favorite podcast app.